We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and she did not marry your penis. And my name is Colin Drucker, and oh honey, your car is in a tree around the corner. <gasps> Ooh, <laughs> and then her reaction to that, where she goes, oh. <laughs> I mean, if you would have just did that, I would have known. I, I, I almost, I almost say, I almost, I thought like, what if I set you up with the line and then you said, oh, yeah. I would have done it. I would have, uh, yeah, you would have, you would not missed a beat. Yes. I promise. Cause that's, that is so important is Lois Smith laying on that stretcher going, oh, like there's no discernible emotion she's expressing there. <laughs> yeah. With like strawberry jam across her forehead. It, yeah. it does not look like blood folks, but uh, no. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to talk about this. Yeah, and the this in question is 1996's Twister. For a moment, I thought, I was like, wait, does anyone even say the word Twister in Twister? But I think towards the end, Philip Seymour Hoffman does. But I I don't know. I mean, because it's yeah. kind of a cheeky little... I don't know. I like it's a twister. It's a twister from like the Wizard of Oz too. But like, uh, I I love that it's not mentioned as much. It's yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that. But nobody, you know, nobody really says uh, we got to chase that twister or yeah, what we do is hokey. we. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I suppose nobody says you know. Well, we're not just on an adventure. We're on the Poseidon adventure. You know, sometimes That's they true. don't say yes. it. You know, yeah, it's almost like a. You don't need to say it. And sometimes when they do say it, it's like, ugh. But yeah. sometimes every once in a while it works. And I can't think of a, a prime example of that. But, you know, it's already woven into the first five minutes where you just kind of get used to it. But if it's like three quarters of the way through and they're like, you know, insert something here, uh, then it's it just feels weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, to use an example featuring Helen Hunt, I feel like at some point in the movie, as good as it gets, I think... She or Jack Nicholson says, is this as good as it gets? <gasps> do they really say that? I, I do believe. I do believe they do. I do. So let's. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm interrupting. No, that's. So it happens is all I'm saying. I am fascinated by the, the early career here. Like the late 90s surge of Helen Hunt and her rise to stardom. We have Mad About You. We have this movie. And then we have an Oscar for as good as it gets, like a year later after this. What a great couple years. But I don't remember. I feel like we were too young to watch Mad About You, you know? Well, that was what I was going to ask you is because sometimes, you know, as, as we all know, sometimes there's there's some gaps in your catalog. It happens. There's gaps in my catalog. You've seen things I haven't seen, vice versa. But every once in a while, there's something where you're like, oh, yeah, 
you've seen like all seven seasons of something. And yeah, like, yeah. When did that happen? And I thought there was a, a, a potential possibility that you would be like a big Mad About You fan. Oh, I wish. I mean, I remember Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Paul. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, I don't think my parents watched it. Like, if we really do the math here, like, I was born in 86, so it's like, I was like 10. Like, I don't, I shouldn't have been watching Mad About You anyways, but I wonder where, like, what's a, what's a modern day version of Mad About You? Like, what's it, what's it akin to, you know? Ooh, that's a good question, because I feel like now the TV landscape is so broad that, like, there's probably so many examples of, like, you know, young couple in the city dealing with young couple in the city problems, you know, but it's just, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I, that's a great question. What is our generation's mad about you? Yeah. And I remember like just flashes of it, but like, you know, she got an, she has an Emmy and an Oscar, Helen Hunt. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not nothing to scoff at, you know? put out an album of jazzy standards and you're, you know, almost yeah. on your way to an EGOT, you know? I know, it's crazy. I feel like she could get a Tony for some play, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. do an audio book and bada bing. Done, done. The hunt is over, you know? <laughs> yes. You found it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, she also, she had like a pretty extensive career as a child actor as well. She was in a bunch of TV movies of the week in the 70s. Uh, she was in a bunch of things. So Helen Hunt has been technically around for a while. That is interesting because I just, I mean, it's just, I guess it's our age, but I never really sought her out. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you think about as good as it gets? I know I'm jumping back to the Oscar, but have you seen it? What are your thoughts? So I, you know, I just, I don't think it's as good as it gets. I think is the is the review <laughs> yes, right. She's doing this awful Brooklyn accent that I don't think is necessary, especially when like her mother in the movie is played by Shirley Knight, who does not have a Brooklyn accent and is perfectly lovely in it. That it just seems so strangely put on. I I don't buy Helen Hunt in that movie for a second, and I I think that if I watched it again, I would find it to be a drag. Yeah, I, I it's been a while since I watched it. I think it's been at least like 10 years or like eight years. And I remember it's one of those movies that if I didn't know it was nominated, I wouldn't have known it was like, if was it nominated for Best Picture? I feel like people just went crazy over it. And I don't know if it was because Jack Nicholson was also in it. That was like his third Oscar, I feel, because he won for Cuckoo's Nest. And um, what am I missing here? Uh, it's like $25,000 pyramid. You want me to, I could, I could probably get, I could give you some clues. I'm like the evening star. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Terms oh, of Endearment he won for. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he did. Evening star. Yeah. I think wow. it was supporting, I think. And then yeah, that would his make third sense. Oscar was for As Good As It Gets. I didn't realize he won the Oscar for Best Actor for As Good As It Gets. I didn't realize it yeah. was such an Oscar winner. That's insane. Yeah, it really kind of cleaned up. I mean, in my mind, maybe it was the only two Oscars that could have been just the acting Oscars. And I know Greg Kinnear was nominated, and that was a big deal for him, too, and didn't win. But, um, yeah. Are you telling me that As Good As It Gets won Best Picture? Oh, it did? That's what IMDb wants me to believe, but I think they've got their listings messed up because I do not believe that as good as it's false. 
you know, fake news. We were warned. Uh, he did wow. win Best Actor, and yeah. Greg Kinnear was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and lost out to Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Oh well, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about who Helen Hunt beat yes, out, please, for Best Actress. Judy, this is, yes, Judy. I mean, there's a these are some real alums here. Judy for Mrs. Brown, which I haven't seen, but I'm sure she's great mm-hmm. in it. Kate Winslet for Titanic, which to me, all the Whoa. Titanic nominations, and also Titanic won Best Picture. Not as good as it gets. You're lying to me. Okay. IMDb. Good. Wow. Uh, okay. Right? And then, uh, so Kate Winslet, you know, I, I feel like rising tides, you know, uh, rise all, rising tides lift all ships, which is an ironic um uh, term for uh, Titanic because <laughs> uh, that's not what happened but she yes. got nominated uh, Helena Bottom Carter for the Wings of the Dove I know you're a big Wings of the Dove fan I love those doves yeah love those doves and then Julie Christie for Afterglow interesting and I remember in my early cataloging years it's been a while since I've seen Helen Hunt's acceptance speech but I remember the one of the first things she did when she got up there was she acknowledged Judy Dench because I feel like Mrs. Brown was maybe slated to win that year and she's like I remember when I saw Judy Dench and Mrs. Brown and she's like wow she's gonna win an Oscar and you know she says something you know charming enough that says like but here I am you know she doesn't mm-hmm. say that but yeah crazy um crazy this was actually a really crazy year you know it's funny this was the boogie nights year so this was the year that julianne moore got nominated for best supporting actress whoa yeah All and right. this was the year that i remember this is one of those like early cataloging things as i remember kim basinger winning for la confidential and even then even never having seen the movie and just being this like baby gay in the 90s i knew that like oh alec baldwin paid everybody to vote to, to vote for her because they were mad yeah yes I've never seen it, probably won't, but um, there we I, are. Yeah, I, you know, I've certainly considered it when we've like looked at, you know, Oscar winners yeah. talking about this podcast, and I was like, I just don't want to. Like, I'd rather talk about Joan Cusack, who was nominated for In and Out that year. There we go. Oh my we God. We haven't done yeah. In and Out, right? Wait, I think we did. I think we did. Yeah. We did. Isn't it funny to think back now because there's just so many. Well, didn't we just have this, like, a moment like this? like a month or so ago, and I was like, wait, we did that? Or maybe I'm I, imagining that, too. I Maybe mean, you're imagining that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I can't keep track anymore, but I remember talking about her. I remember watching it because we talked about the Circle of Ladies, remember? Yep. June yeah. Squibb, and I think yeah. Debbie Monk was in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So we've done in and out I feel good about that. Um, Same. Which means that we can talk about Twister this week because we've done in and out and we're not going to do as good as it gets. Uh, maybe she won the Oscar for that one line. You know what? Before I close the book on as good as it gets, I will say, when Helen Hunt does that, like, okay. I mean, that's, do you, do you know that moment when she's talking to her mother and she's crying in the kitchen? she on the phone or no? No, they're talking face-to-face in the kitchen. Yeah. And she's like, and she's all upset. And it's her big Oscar reel moment. And then she's like, Helen Hunt is saying like just tell me what do you want and then Shirley Knight goes I want to go out which is a great line just you know Shirley Knight God bless her and then there's this like long pause of Helen Hunt kind of processing processing that and she goes okay and then they go out (laughs) and it's a great it is the it is the moment from that movie that I'll say fine give her the Oscar but otherwise NG 
She reminds me of someone like the tone of voice. Like I feel like even in Twister, and I mean I can't really speak to Matt about you, but like she has this sort of. I don't know. Um, it's almost like an early form of Jennifer Lawrence. You know what I mean? This sort of mm. like deadpan, sort of carefree, kind of like rough and tumble tomboy energy, but she's still like a beauty at the same time. And she, even her voice reminds me of someone maybe present day or just like another actress that I can't think of. So I'm, I'm going to ponder upon that or maybe you have thoughts, but I do like Helen Hunt. I guess it's like maybe I don't agree with that Oscar win, but I, I'm never upset to see her. But I don't know if I've ever been wowed, I guess, you know. Yeah. You know, I remember liking her in this movie, The Sessions, where oh, she yeah. plays like a, another Oscar nom. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like the um, not it's not sex therapist, but she, you know, works with this guy who has physical disabilities and maybe he has MS or something. And she's like his sex surrogate i believe is, yeah is the term and i remember thinking that movie like she she had a lovely role in that so i feel like i liked her in that um but yeah helen hunt i mean i think you bring up an interesting point about the sort of tomboy you know certainly in this movie kind of like the one of the guys quality that helen hunt has oh yeah um, and and it's it, to me it just it was like well isn't that the 90s my one takeaway from my, one of my big takeaways from twister was like Man, Twister doesn't like women. <laughs> it doesn't like women. I mean, justice for Melissa. I can't wait to talk about Jamie Gertz. This yeah. poor woman. This poor woman. Yeah, Jamie Gertz. I mean, yeah. Uh, but it's I don't a, know it is we, a yeah. Go ahead, finish it. Yes. But it is a bit of like a, a ragtag bunch of dudes, and she is like the biggest dude of the dudes, Helen Hunt. Yeah, it's it's almost like volunteer firefighter energy. Do you know what mm, I mean? And mm -hmm. that's no shade to it, but it just feels like would I want to hang out at, at at Meg's? Of course, like steak and eggs, you know, a double order, extra mashed potatoes and that gravy. Can't wait oh. to talk about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I can't. Oh, gosh, it's just there's something about like we got a live one and they're like, it just feels like they're sliding down the pole if they were firefighters, too. And there is like that sense of community and family, which I do like to watch, but I, I don't know if I'd like to participate. So I'm team Melissa, team Melissa, team Melissa. I mean, listen, like I have been sort of every time Twister would come up, I'm oh, you love Jamie Gertz, which just was like one of those. Oh, I know you love so and so. I know you love the wings yes. of the dove. But you know what? I I I love Jamie Gertz. I I'm I, so glad. <laughs> you get it. She's beautiful. She's, She's so beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah. She did nothing wrong in this movie. In fact, I think she went above and beyond. What was she in? Like three tornadoes <laughs> by the end yeah. of the day. This, yeah. I, I I couldn't believe what this woman had like put herself in without complaint. And I think like they, in an in a, I mean the script is not great, but. I think I was surprised that they didn't make her into like some bitchy New York, like Yankee. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, but the, she is a Southern gal. But like, she, they 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 painted her into this caricature of like, she her, her accent's a little bit thicker and like so she's like I just don't know what a tornado is. Oh my God, we got cows and it just it just doesn't do her any good. But she she goes with it. To the best yeah. of her ability. I do not blame her for leaving. But what what are your thoughts? You know, I mean, honestly, 
Melissa is kind of like, I think she's the emotional core of the movie. I'm just yes. going to say it. I I think she gets the most like emotional beats. I feel for her the most. I recognize that this script in this movie is giving her like I knew from the moment we met Melissa in that in that white power suit and that 90s hair and those little 90s sunglasses that oh, she and Oh, see, I think it's because it wouldn't look good on my face that I just like reject those little artist sunglasses. I would look <laughs> sure, so yeah. dumb. Uh, but she's I and and the and the moment the, the the cell phone whipped out, I was like, oh, I know exactly where we're going with Dr. Melissa Reeves. Like, she and Bill are not going to end up together. I know that. Like, I know who this character is in the '90s. You know? Yeah, and I agreed and everything with everything you just said and i also just feel so bad that like bill does not do anything to help her through this or really kind of walk her through like every once in a while he's just like oh christ honey like the twister drinking game is how many times bill says christ yeah in this movie and i'd be like yeah check on your fiance back there she's in the back with philip seymour hoffman hanging on for dear life yeah, I mean, like, she she has been through the ringer as somebody who is not a storm chaser. She had that whole, you know, where the where the truck landed right in front of her while she was driving. Oh, my and God, she, yes. I, I would have been like, I'm done. I'm going to Tulsa. Fuck this. The yes. moment that happened. But, no, she stuck around for two more twisters. <laughs> she really did. And, like, that mo- they, like the, we had the... The truck falling on the street twister, we had the cow twister, and then we had the, the drive-in twister, which is a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh my gosh, I mean, that the line, my favorite line, I won't be there. I was just like, you know, I wanted to stand up and clap. You're like, yeah, yeah. you should have ran a long time ago, Melissa. You earned yep. it. Oh, I was so proud of her. I thought, you know, I'll say this. Melissa got so much dignity in her exit, and this character never gets that level of dignity or autonomy, especially in 1996. Yeah, she would have got, like, sucked up in a twister. I'm surprised she didn't just get, like, whoa, like, sucked yeah. up with a cow, you know? Right, right. I I couldn't believe that she got to have that moment of, like, don't worry about me. I know, I know my way home. And then off she went. Yep. Good oh. riddance. Because they are, I, I, the one scene where they're in the red truck, it's like right after the first tornado. And then I didn't even realize that Melissa was in the back seats. And mm-hmm. then finally I was like, oh my God, she's like in the car because that's when they both reach for like the radio or like the stick shift or something. And I'm like, this is too much. Yeah. Right in front I, of Melissa. Right in front of Melissa. And like, here's the thing. Now, folks, we're just assuming you know all about Twister. You know what Twister is. But yes. like tw- Twister is, it takes place basically over 24 hours. And uh, the setup is that Bill, played by podcast alum from the aforementioned Evening Star. Yes. Uh, Bill Paxton. Bill is uh, with with his new fiance, Melissa, in, you know, in tote, has gone to meet up with his ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife, Dr. Joe Harding. Of course, she has like a, you know, androgynous name because like she's basically a dude. Uh, but I guess it's like he can't seem to get a hold of her or fax paperwork. And so he needs to meet up with her in person to finally sign those divorce papers. I just feel like the buy-in for him to go along for this ride is just like not even, I still don't know where he said, I mean, I remember him saying like, you got one day, 
one day and that's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. what? Just leave. Go back to the hotel. Like I know it's like the whole storyline is like he just can't stay away. He's got to fight. Not fight. But like it's like he's he got a taste for blood and he's back in the like the saddle and everyone's excited. But it's never really said why or like. Yeah. And Melissa just has to go with it. It's just bullshit. Yeah, it's like Bill is, like, swept up with his old camp friends, and it's like, oh, you guys are chasing a storm today? Oh, you're chasing a, a tornado? Well, all right. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one day. Oh, Christ. Uh, Christ, yeah. honey. Christ, honey. Yeah. I'm and be- sorry. <laughs> you're right. Before you know it, they're just like, you know, the, the convoy takes off, and and if I'm remembering correctly, he immediately abandons Melissa. He's like, you take the, the truck. I'm going to go with Joe. Like, he, yes. it, it, Melissa's experience is my worst nightmare where you're like with your like, po- you know, boyfriend or yes. whatever. And then you go to meet all his friends and then he abandons you. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate it. I mean, it's it's your lifeline. And it, like the first time we see it, even with Melissa's interaction with Joe at the diner where she's like, you're still in love with him, aren't you? And Joe just looks at her like, you're crazy. And just like mm-hmm. pays for her coffee or lemonades and goes. And like anytime Melissa asks a question, like when she's like, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, when she says like, is there an F five? And I know that's like the big sort of trigger because the only one who's seen an F five in the group is Joe. But like, she's just asking a question. Everyone's like, Whoa, Melissa, that's out of line. Yeah. Now you've gone too far. Yeah. Joe is upstairs in the shower. She could hear you asking that question. That is not sensitive. It's that would Melissa, Melissa, you know, I'll say this. I'll say this. I did feel like the group the little group of camp friends of storm chasers were nicer to her than I expected. Yes. They didn't like haze her or harass her. Like if anything, it was just a lot of energy at once, but I think she kind of rolled with it the best that she could. But what I can't stand also is just like Bill gaslighting her because I think it was right after the truck fell on the street. I don't know, but Melissa says, you almost got yourself killed back there. And he's like, no, no, that was just a close call. Like that's a truck falling from the sky. Like what? Right. The truck that you last saw your fiance and his ex-wife driving in (laughs) has now been dropped from the sky mere inches in front of you while you're driving. And I'll say this, you know, Jamie Gertz played that scene, the screaming and that she was just like, she played that panic really well. Yeah. Uh, and, and w- it was all appropriate. Cause that's the other thing is this character could also be made to be hysterical and histrionic and ridiculous. But I yep. felt like in the capable hands of Miss Gertz, it all felt very appropriate. Yeah. I think everything was played exactly as it should have. I just, oh, I felt so bad for her. Me too. But, you and, know, like we said, she had dignity when she left. Sorry. There, she did. There. But yeah, and and she was in it. I mean, she's in like three quarters of the movie. And I was kind of like, well, I know she's going to leave eventually. But like one, you know, I was like, man, she's she's putting up with a lot in that white, you know, uh, in that white power suit. I. Yeah, I honor her. And you know what I you know, what, you know, what breaks my heart. You know what breaks my heart about this is that is that Miss Jamie Gertz was nominated for not only a Razzie but a Stinker Award for Worst Supporting Actress. <laughs> oh my God! I saw the Razzie, but I did not see the Stinker. 
Yeah. How dare they? How dare they? Actually, Beast. she may have. Beast! Stinker! <laughs> How dare you? How dare I believe. I believe if yeah, I know IMDb is in a, the habit of lying to us today. She won that worst supporting actress at what? the Stinkers. Yeah, you know. Well, what? I We're hope gonna... she was a good sport about it because I don't think that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not right. Uh, that's not right. That's, that's not the right. comeback. Yeah, that's, that's not, not yeah. The middle finger. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. Um, let's see who she was up against. Let's see who she. Okay, so Jamie Gertz. Oh, boy. Oh, this is interesting. Okay. Oh, okay. So Jamie Gertz was up against Faye Dunaway for both The Chamber and Dunstan Checks In. Whoa. Uh, Melanie Griffith for Mulholland Falls and Too Much. I guess, you know, they, they were so bad they got nominated for two movies. Yeah. Rita Wilson for Jingle All the Way. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. I know. False. Yeah. False. And then listen to this Oscar winner and podcast alum and Weston inductee for best supporting mom, Brenda Fricker, for a time <gasps> to kill. Whoa. So I, you know, I'll say this Jamie should consider herself in great company, giving that Brenda Fricker, Faye Dunaway, and Melanie Griffith. No, just Brenda Fricker and Faye Dunaway are Oscar yeah. winners. Melanie's been nominated. Rita has that Girls' Night In music video I made you watch. Yes. So, and an extensive music career that I don't think many people realize. Rita has a lot of songs. Rita knows how to party. Yeah. So, of that elite like group of ladies, Jamie Gertz won. I'm fascinated by the Razzies because I, I do love... I feel like in my mind, at least, or at least like, you know, my fantasy world that uh, Sandra Bullock won for The Blind Side, an Oscar and also won a Razzie like in the same year. Like, has that happened? Because that feels like the best example of it. I feel like she because I know that she did accept the award, but maybe that was for like Speed 2 Cruise Control. Sure. Or even Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Like she didn't win, but I feel mm -hmm. like she was nominated for both an Oscar. Like what are those stats? How do we find that out? Chat GPT. There we go. Should I ask Chat it? GPT. Yeah. Chat who, GPT. Who won a Razzie or was nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar for the same performance? Yeah. Love that. That, and, and if there is one in the best supporting actress category, then I think we obviously have to do an episode on it. But oh yeah, that would be so fun. Yeah, um, but yeah. So there you go. So so Jamie Gertz getting uh, none of the recognition she deserves for the hard, hard the heavy lifting she did in Twister. Um, but at least she yeah. was the best of the worst, you know. She really was. I mean, like you said, I, I do love that lens of her being the heart of the movie. I mean, next to Lois Smith, of course, Aunt Meg, I feel like there's not really a lot of that. It's really Helen, Jamie, and Lois, minus like a couple people within the group. There's that one woman with like the glasses and the hat that's just like frantic every time. Oh, but yeah. I was like, I remember you. I remember you. Yes. Yeah, with the bucket hat and the glasses. It was like yeah. such a such a 90s character, you know, like such a... I, and I looked this the the woman the actress's name is Wendell Josepher. It's like yeah, is that an anagram for something? I know, right? <laughs> I don't know what it means, but like the whole crew, it's it was almost like you know Alan Ruck. I, I feel like isn't he in Succession nowadays too? Um, oh, I don't know. I I mean I only obviously know him from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
Uh, yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah, he yeah. plays Connor, Connor Roy in Succession. I don't know anything about Succession, but I, I, I sort of remember seeing a clip. So he's still making it happen, I guess, too. But uh, so many of these, and of course, we have Todd Field we talked about last week, director of Tar. Yeah, I mean, Todd Field, director of Tar, Little Children in the Bedroom with the Celia Weston. Yes. He's directed Celia Weston. Wow. And I'd have to say, a little bit gay. Especially in that first scene. Did you catch uh-huh. that? Well, and like kind of hot, like kind of hot, yeah, kind of yeah. gay. Like I also could see a world where he like locks me in a soundproof basement, you know, and no one sees me for 20 years. But like, there it is. it's worth the risk. Yeah. I, his character's a little gay. I don't know if he's a little gay in real life, but like, I just remember like Joe says something to him and he just like walks away and like, all right, girl. Like he just kind of like. Oh, I think I like, miss. I, I yeah, it was like nuance. right. It's it's like blink and you miss it. But the mm. that's that's what it was for me. And he sings Oklahoma in his car. Oh so yes, he yes, that was pretty gay. Uh, he's yeah. what shocks me is because of the movies that he's made. I mean, I don't know. To me, the director of Tar and in the bedroom and Little Children, it's like oh, a gay man would need to direct that. But he's that's true. Not gay. Not he's gay, folks. he's got a spouse named Serena, and they're still together. And they had four kids, and apparently, oh, I don't know. It says relatives Sally Field, and then it says in parentheses not related. So I don't know what to believe. What? <laughs> oh my lord, IMDb, get it together. Get it. To- yeah, IMDb is really like making the case for ChatGPT because I like, know. I in no world am I going to believe that Todd Field and Sally Field are related. And I'm just oh, yeah, finding that's... out about it now. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the others in this, because I will say this, I don't, I hadn't seen Twister in like 8,000 years. Same. And uh, I feel like it was a, you know, a birthday party movie or something, you know, just a summer pool party movie, some one of those kind of things. And I, I did not remember it being quite the ensemble piece that it is, but it is, I mean... You know, uh, certainly the focus is on, you know, Joe and Bill and, you know, Melissa and, and a bit of Meg. But, like, the, the other little ragtag bunch, I, I I appreciated that it was very much like, oh, we're with this group the entire movie. You know, there's a, yes. there's a surprising amount of Alan Ruck, you know? Yeah. And I this is just a random fact that, that I saw on IMDb, and I just Googled it to confirm it. But Twister is the first movie ever to be released on DVD. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. I mean... I know. It's kind of fun, though. Yeah. Well, and what just makes me think about, like, an era of change, you know, where it's like, yeah, now on DVD, you know? It, yes. And, and, I mean, that was certainly one of my big takeaways watching this as well, was just like, oh, God, the 90s. The, the 90s. 90s. What are you, like, when you, are are you, do you find yourself nostalgic for the 90s? When you think of the 90s, what what happens what do you feel yeah i think a a version of this question i'm kind of answering it and kind of not is like what is my most nostalgic period of my life and it Mm. would be for some reason i go right to elementary school i just feel like elementary school was awesome and i i think of like all my teachers that i had but i mean technically that was the 90s early 90s so yeah i think um a lot of it is tied to movies and like, I think there's a TikTok channel too, that, and like Instagram accounts, of course, that just like 
Um, oh my gosh, there was like a blow pop commercial. Do you remember that blow pop commercial where it had all the kids and they were like watermelon and then they like, it's like that's yes. a blow pop and it's like yes. kids directing this. It popped up on TikTok and I like was flooded with all of, I was like, oh my God. Because commercials were crazy. They still are for kids on Nickelodeon. They're like out of control. Well, I think the commercials are where so much cataloging I think happened because we saw they were we saw them repeatedly they were like these sort of fast hyper edited things so like for example I kind of feel like the cars in this movie all of those dot those Chrysler Grand Caravans that the the other storm chasers were driving that to me between like the other like mothers at the school you know I went to like who drove you know, Dodge caravans or Chrysler caravans, whatever the fuck they are. Um, but just the commercials, I feel like I, when I, or, or even Bill's truck, I'm like, I don't think I knew anybody who had that truck, but I probably saw a commercial for that truck like 500 times. Yeah. It looked like a fancy truck. Like mm-hmm. I, even by today's standards, I was like, that seemed, it kind of holds up a bit. Um, it's a nice truck, that cherry red truck that, that he just willingly, tossed into the tornado can we talk about that like i mean i just it's like they call him the extreme and i don't know i think if i was dr melissa reeves the moment i heard that story uh, which i think was like at aunt meg's house it would have been like do i really want to be mrs the extreme (laughs) you know like he's a cool extreme though like he's very like tempered you know what i mean like he's not like well it's just like i but don't know in there because yeah. i feel like this this ragtag bunch like you know dustin philip seymour hoffman's character like they're they're an energetic like loud rambunctious bunch in a way that like would drain my batteries in like 15 minutes and i feel like bill is just like raring he just wants to be running with the balls again, you know? Yes, yeah. I mean, even I think I laughed out loud when they're at the diner and uh, Joe and Melissa are having that moment at the counter and Bill's just outside, like, <laughs> he picks up, like, a handful of dirt and just, like, lets it fall. Oh, yeah. And I was like, good Lord. Um, and I don't know. I mean, this this is, like, partially a script thing, but, like, this goes also... This is also uh, a tie into like how Melissa is just so mistreated in this movie when like Bill and Joe are talking after that one, like the, you know, I can't even keep track of how many tornadoes, but he's like, stop living in the past, Joe. And look what you got right in front of you. Me, Joe. And Melissa's mm-hmm. just like getting pelted by rain, holding up this picnic umbrella with Philip Seymour Hoffman. And he's just looking at her like, oh, sorry. Yeah, it was during the hailstorm, right? And and yes, I think they're- we got listening- hail. Yeah, I got to go. We got hail. Uh, But yeah, and and I think she's hearing that conversation over the like, I don't know, their little little radio, their little ham radio. And I'll say, you know, that moment in the movie, that was where they had those kind of aerial close-ups on Melissa. Do you remember that? Like, it was was like after she had heard that, they have these like slow (laughs) zoom-ins from like, from above. above. Like it's sort of like if you think of a clock, it's like starting at like two o'clock and then it kind of like pans down to Melissa. And I feel like it's it's I'll give it I'll give them that. They gave Melissa face journeys. They did. They really did. And gosh, I just have so many notes about Melissa, just how he kept telling her to like calm down during that like drive in scene. Like, 
it's okay to not be calm during that moment. Like, it is just crazy that he's asking that of her. But, oh, God. Yeah, when they're they're all huddled in that that garage, and there's, like, cars flying into the roof, and, like, there's, like, shit that's, like, missing them by inches. And he's like, it's fine, honey, calm down. Christ, it's all going to be over soon. And it's like, you, this is... I am a therapist. I know you're <laughs> gaslighting me. <laughs> yeah. And then that guy gets like sliced in the forehead by that hubcap. I like that's like a very clear memory in my mm-hmm. mind. And I was like, oh yeah. In my mind it like sliced his head off and he died. But like it's just, you know, and Helen Hunt goes up and like puts her hand on it. Yeah. Oh God. I know. Poor, poor preacher. Um I know. Um I, I mean I think it's time to talk about Aunt Meg. Let's get it. Yeah, let's. So Aunt Meg. So Aunt Meg. She comes in about an hour into the movie when they all uh, they they need they need an Aunt Meg visit. They need food. I mean, it's you know it's a little aggressive. They're like they're like chanting food at Joe, and she's you know king of the lost boys and she's like, no, we're not gonna go invade my aunt. No, you guys. No, come on, you guys. Dude. Dude, oh. I kind of loved it though. Like the choice that Philip Seymour Hoffman, like all of his choices in this movie are genius. He's so, I feel like Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman walked in Twister so that Jack Black could run in every movie. Oh my God, yes. Right? He's doing Jack comparison. Black. Yeah. 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 Like wearing that hoodie on his head in the first scene, like in mm-hmm. such a weird way, doing like these monkey dances. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. And it's just, it's worth mentioning. This is all at the same time in the same year that Boogie Nights came out. So like, it's crazy to think like we saw both of those performances in the same year and they're so different. Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah. Um, but indeed they, they managed to finagle their way to go to Joe's Aunt Meg's house in Wakita. I don't know why I remember. I'm I'm never going to forget Wakita. Yeah. It's a real town too. I looked it up. I was like, is Wakita real? And it is. And I love her house. Um, I just think like there's something to, I I just like this pit stop. I, I was like waiting for the entire movie and it takes them, like you said, a little while to get there. It does, yeah. And then, you know, she, it, you know, it's kind of the, the relief of Lois Smith. And here here's my question. Here's something I've never understood. Because, yes, she indeed does feed them big steaks and eggs and whatnot. Maybe I am misunderstanding. But previously, you know, we had seen, like, you know, cows getting caught up. You know, a cow gets gets caught up in a twister and all that stuff. And then they get to Aunt Meg's and then, she, you know, she's serving up steaks and I think it's Dustin who's like, you know, oh, geez, where'd you get these big steaks from? And then Aunt Meg's like, oh, did you see my cows out front? And he goes, no. And she goes, oh. And <laughs> here's my qu- And he's like, oh, you slaughter, slaughter your own cows. Wow. For years, my understanding was that she had big steaks because her cows got caught up in a twister and then I guess were killed and she slaughtered them and made steaks. I don't believe that that's it. I think she just kills her own cows. I think it might be. I think that's probably the case because I didn't see, you know, a Mr. Meg and Uncle. No. Uncle, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but it's not as if the fact that she's serving them up steaks, big old steaks, has nothing to do with the fact that we saw a cow in a twister 10 minutes earlier. I see. I see. It's like, yeah. um, 
I, that's a that's an interesting sort of through line there too, because like it would kind of be funny to be like, yeah, cows just drop in all the time, and she like winks to the table. Yeah, right. Like I I expected something. Yeah, exactly. Something along the lines of like, oh, just you know, got a special delivery today from the from the butcher. You know. And yes. So this has been a like a, a misunderstanding, because. Of the few things I've remembered from Twister, I have always remembered that Aunt Meg serves them, like, massive plates of steak and eggs. Yeah. And I always thought that the steak was because the cow got killed in a tornado. Got it. I mean, yeah, it's like everyone gets that, like, a huge piece of beef. And, like, I didn't like this, too, like, when Joe was serving um, Melissa. She's like, move, move. She doesn't say move. Or maybe she does. But, like, the way she serves it is just so, like dismissive and i get it like she's the new woman in bill's life but also like she's harmless yeah i think i kept i kept waiting for melissa to do something bitchy because i expected the script to make her bitchy and yeah she is harmless and I, i i mean that is the real you know take that stinkers take that razzies the real reimagining the villains of this movie Joe and Bill. Yes. It's almost like how I feel like I, I feel like a similar lens of like Mrs. Doubtfire, how like Miranda's actually the one that is is the Melissa and like Robin Williams is the real villain of the movie too. Cause like yeah. you're rooting for the people. You're rooting for Helen Hunt because she's such a name and it's like she's like the skinny blonde star and you know, Bill Paxton it looks great. I mean, Bill Paxton fresh out of the shower is just Oh, don't button <sighs> that shirt level. anymore. Yes. yes, yes. And his hair is kind of like slicked back and you can see mm-hmm. his beautiful blue eyes. I'm into it. Oh, yeah. But I you know, I I don't I don't trust Bill and Joe. I think Melissa is smart to get out of there and uh yeah, I I don't need to see the sequel of Twisters. I need to see the Melissa Reeves sequel, you know? Oh my gosh, yes. After Twister, yes. Yeah. Back in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she's got PTSD from all of the trauma she went through and trust issues because of what Bill put her through. And there's not a single weather ish- incident in the entire movie. It has it's not a disaster movie. It's just a yes. character piece about Melissa rebuilding her life. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, um, we were talking about Lois Smith. Oh yes. Meg too. Yeah, sorry, I'm just I'm steering myself back really to this conversation, but um, I mean, really, the next time we see, I do love that she has like a t- like this huge bag of food for um, is it Dusty or Dustin? We'll call him Dusty. I guess they call, call him Dusty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I love. I love a good like to go bag, and they looked. I mean, it looked great. It looked like there were like ten steaks in there. Um, but the next time we see her is when you know disaster strikes in Wakita, and that's after the the drive-in scene, which is like let's talk about the drive-in scene into this because like. It's such a speaking of like those trailers that are cut to be like a horror movie. Like this is exactly that. Even like Melissa watching the TV and like it's very reminiscent of like the first five movies, five movies, five minutes of the movie, even with Joe and her parents. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, Rusty Schwimmer. I'm we'll all get over there. The place, yeah, we're yeah, all. Yeah, we'll take put, notes put a pin in that talking. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I just I this scene is so amazing too, and I, there were this movie was nominated for two Oscars I think for visual effects and for maybe something else for sound um, for sound and 
for good reason. Like for 1996, I feel like they were really killing it. Yeah. So I had I did not remember that this drive-in scene would happen um, or does happen. I think in my mind, I had kind of cataloged Twister as a more of like a minor disaster movie because it's not as if they're trapped on a stinking ship or there is earthquakes or you know what I mean? Like there was there was some sense that it was a smaller scale disaster movie because it's like, well, you're like chasing the storm, you know? And so I had kind of forgotten that like, oh no, there's definitely a whole like disaster movie set piece at the drive-in movie. Yeah. And I I do have to say I love that we uh, another alum of the podcast and from last week's episode, Shelley Duvall yes. makes a brief appearance and Helen Hunt's co-star Jack Nicholson makes a brief appearance oh because my God. they're showing the movie The Shining. Wow. Yeah, so like, I always think about this. I feel like, uh, and whenever I try to talk about it, I always just like go mushy because I never can explain it well. But it's like, in the world of as good as it gets, does the movie Twister exist? I guess oh, it yeah. would. Yeah, we talked about this before. I can't remember when. Yes, I, go so ahead. so, and and maybe this doesn't apply as much to two fictional things, but the the re the one I think about all the time is that movie with Shirley MacLaine, where she's like the inspiration for um, Mrs. Robinson in. The Graduate. The Graduate, yeah. Uh, and I have to look up what this movie was called. But I, th- the thing about that movie was like, if Shirley MacLaine is playing a character who inspired a movie character, then does the actress, th- then like, does the movie Terms of Endearment exist in that world if the movie The yeah. Graduate exists in this world? Because then there'd be that moment of like, well, who's that woman in Terms of Endearment who looks like me does that make it does that i see i'm still not explaining it well but does does that make sense what i'm trying to like figure out i think i know what you're saying and the last time that you explained it to me it was like i i understood pieces of it but yeah it's it almost reminds me of like a um like it's it feels like everything everywhere all at once you know yeah so okay so it's the movie rumor has it from 2005 with Jennifer Aniston, uh, this woman you know, who learns that her family was the inspiration for the book and film The Graduate and that she just may be the offspring of the well-documented event. So if Jennifer Aniston's character, if she discovers that her mother may have been the inspiration for The Graduate and her mother's played by Shirley MacLaine and The Graduate's a real movie, then like there are other real movies that exist in the world of Rumor Has It, including movies that... Shirley MacLaine, the actress, starred in. Yeah, I, I think maybe another. I don't know. I don't. It's maybe not the exact example of this, but I guess it's just in that movie Valentine's Day, which mm-hmm. is like you know eighty couples and just like all their stories intertwine. Um, it's Hector Elizondo and Shirley MacLaine. I think are a couple, and they go to a park to watch Shirley MacLaine because she plays a movie star in the movie and they're showing clips of her in the apartment with Jack Nicholson. Mm. And I'm like, but that's not, it's like, but it's supposed to be like a fictional movie, I guess, but it's the apartment, which she like is one of her, like I'd say one of her more well-known films, but is that sort of adjacent to a kind of a little bit that where that there's real movies in fictional stories, but the fictional, but like, the the worlds overlap. It is very much in everything, everywhere, all at once. There's an overlapping worlds thing. And I just feel like all of this is like, there's a movie in that. There's a movie in that of like... 
And I, but I, I can never articulate it because even whenever I try to talk about this theory, I just, I just go mushy. I just, I can never explain it clearly, but, and I, and you know what? And I've never even seen the movie rumor has it. So I'm going off in this whole goddamn tangent and I've never even seen the movie. Well, that's okay. I mean, I think that maybe that's the, that's the beginning research of this thesis too. And maybe, you know, mm-hmm. gentle listeners, maybe if you have something to add to this, you know, send us an email, thebsapodagema.com. What do you think? Yeah. Am I, are we on to something here that like, are we just crazy? Are we just crazy? I don't know. But, um, so yes. Yeah, so there is this whole drive-in scene. The twister hits, like there's no warning it, and just boom, it shows up. And I love how it tears through the movie screen. Like I yes. did, I did think that was like a cool little effect. Um, I was, I was very concerned about the girls in the snack stand, but Same. I, also thought, I was just going to say that yeah, right? they stood there way too long. They yeah. were just waiting for Joe's, like, go-ahead. Mm-hmm. But that snack stand didn't move an inch once that twister so was glad. gone. Good. Yeah, that thing was built like a brick shithouse. I, I was very impressed. Um, yes. And I was worried about the snacks. You know, I was worried about the fries and things of like course. that. Of yeah. course, yeah. People are going to need to eat. Yeah. This is, this is something, I keep going off into these tangents, but I just want to say how annoyed I was about how everything is announced in this movie and especially it was like especially prevalent with like bill and joe in the truck everything like if there's hail we got hail if there's debris we got debris if there's Mm -hmm. cows we got cows like everything was fucking like we see it like and then maybe they were trying to say that on like the radio i guess to the crew but like they're like a mile away they know it was just so annoying to me sort of on that vein every time they would get out of the truck to then like prepare one of the Dorothy's to like get swept up. Bill would always say to Joe, hurry. Okay. Hurry. Come on. All right. Hurry. Yes. Like, yes. What yes. do you think she's doing? What do you think she's taking her time? Like, ugh. yeah, same thing. And I think that's kind of what we already mentioned too. When everyone's at the drive-in, when he's like ushering everyone down, he kept, he kept on like, stay ho- stay calm, keep moving. Come on. And yeah. maybe it was just like filling the space, but like, we don't need it. You sound ridiculous, Bill. Sorry. Right. Rest don't tell peace. me to stay calm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Bill. We love you. But the lines that Michael Crichton and his wife gave you to say. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. Uh, not good. Um, but indeed. So so the, the drive-in gets, you know, more or less demolished. And then they, they come to find out that it's on its way to Akita. And more importantly, the, the tornado is headed towards Aunt Meg and her golden retriever, Moe's. And thank God you texted me. Yes. Because the dogs in peril in this movie, there were dogs in peril. There were a couple Ruth and Cheryl horses in peril. I know. Uh, and and nope. in the in the beginning, it really did seem like that one. Toby, is that the dog in the, in Toby. the beginning? Yeah. The beginning scene with a young Helen Hunt as Joe. Uh, or no, you know, she didn't play her younger self. That came out weird. But yeah, like they shut that, I call it the Wizard of Oz door. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but luckily Toby gets, you know. And also get a better lock for that door. Jesus oh. Christ, that opening scene with Rusty. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so so this, you know, while we're talking about dogs in peril, you know, well, you know, let's, we'll finish up the, the scene. Sorry, there, yes, and, I know. I'm steering us in 10 You're fine. Directions. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the rescue of Aunt Meg? There is actually. Thank you for asking. Um, when they, I already mentioned when they save her, she has strawberry jam on her face. And mm-hmm. one of my my brother, my when we saw this movie, like we used to quote it all the time. 
And it's the dumbest line. It has like no context, really, I guess, when she's yelling back to Bill and she's like, grab Moe's for me. I think he's a little shaken up. (laughs) The way that she says shaken up is just like, ooh, it's like heaven. I love it. Yeah, she put a little texture Shaken on it. up. Yeah. yeah. Like she was kind of laughing at how ridiculous it was. Like, of, of course, he's shaken up. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's probably but Moses is everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Moses is fine. Oh, my God. I was like, if if I don't physically see that dog carried out of the house, it's over. It is, yeah. But I wouldn't uh, do that to you. No. Oh, my God. Well, especially in the you mean with Toby in the beginning. And, yeah, and yeah. Let's talk about scary. the beginning. I thought that's it. This is... This is the formative trauma. The dog got swept away, and then the dad got swept away. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in the very beginning, uh, and the young Joe is played by uh, Alexa Vega, who went on to be in like the Spy Kids movies. Oh, fun! Yeah, so she was like somebody. Um, but more importantly, her mother is played by an alum of the podcast from a movie that you and I love from the nineties. Uh, a little Christmas, Rusty Schwimmer, who played what was her Amelia Minchin? Yes, uh, you just called it a little Christmas, which I love. But a little was, Christmas. <laughs> I mean, little... it feels like a little Christmas every time we watch it. Uh, but yeah, Little Princess. Little and yeah, Princess. Rusty. It's such a Christmas movie. <laughs> a little it is. Christmas. Yeah. Oh, it's such um, an elementary school Christmas movie. Yes, like. Like we're gonna watch a movie in class. Turn off the lights. We're all gonna have a, like a snack. I have a little pile of of Christmas colored M and M's on a napkin. Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. And um, Rusty Schwimmer is such a, um, you know, a sort of Southern mama. You know what I mean? She comes mm-hmm. in and she's like, "Let's go, Joe. We gotta." You know, they all. She looks like she's just perfect, perfectly cast. They all go to the the. You know what do you what do you call storm it? cellar the storm yeah. cellar yeah, and they put like a I think like I have a stronger lock on my screen door downstairs than this did for a yeah. five you know oh it's it's one of those little slide locks that it's like yeah if you're, what do you think you're doing yeah are you in a changing room in Sears like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what is this gonna do and oh, her dad's so like nuts. i can't hold it i can't hold it and uh I, you know i i thought they, they they tried to put an interesting kind of layer that like joe has an almost like sociopathic fascination with tornadoes like she she's yes. in this flashback it's as if she didn't have any feelings about other than toby being rescued which is understandable but like otherwise she didn't seem to be that that afraid she was more just fascinated yes and i will say this too that the 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 twisters in this movie, they, they sound like a beast, a beast. And wasn't it, I, I read on IMDb, it's like, uh, like the slowing down of like camels. Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah, I yeah. did that. They took the, the sound of a, whatever the sound a camel makes and they just slowed it down. Cause there were times where I was like, that tornado is really roaring. Like, it really is. Yes. Oh, it's like Kate Blanchett out there. Here you know? I am. <laughs> That's like Kevin J. Zach needs to do yes! that. <laughs> Yes, here I, wish, I like, am. Here I am. <laughs> I too Rah. can command the wind, sir. <laughs> oh my God, it practically writes itself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Kate Blanchett in Twister as the Twister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love this movie. Um, yeah, with Judy Dench is like Aunt Meg. She's like You're oh. not young, and then the Twister just disappears. Just yeah. <laughs> 
goes up into the sky. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, really, we we did we said it before, but like you know, I feel that one of the lines. Melissa does have one of the best lines in the movie when she says, we got cows. I mean, Keon and I still quote that all the time. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's like in the trailer, you know, in my yeah. mind, at least, which I didn't watch before or after I, I watched the movie. And I think I always thought that was an Aunt Meg line because, again, I'm all caught up in this idea that Aunt you Meg are, yes. is, is cooking, you know, twisted steaks, twisted cow steaks. And, yes. you know, here's the deal. If Aunt, if Aunt Meg's cows got caught up in a tornado... Aunt Meg would have been caught up in a tornado. You know what I'm saying? Like this theory makes That's no true. sense. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that scenario, but yeah. Oh man. I mean, Twister, I'm so glad. And this is a two hour movie. I thought this was going to be a cool, like an hour and 36 minutes, but it is rather long. But I, again, I say this often, like, I don't know what I would cut, but mm. I feel like we could have done without one of the, those tornadoes, you know? It does It does kind of zip by. I mean, I think that ultimately, because we haven't even talked about third-billed Carrie Elways as Dr. Oh, Jonas right. Miller, uh, you know, this sort of dueling, you know, storm-chasing group with their fancy trucks and their black Dodge Grand Caravans or Chrysler Grand Caravans. Dodge and Chrysler eventually, I think, became one. So um, he has like a, I, I think I read on IMDb that his role was cut down significantly, but like he kind of appears in the beginning and he disappears for like a large stretch of the movie. That's true. I didn't even think about that, but it's kind of just like, we don't need it because we know who he is. They all went to like school together, like weather school mm -hmm. or something. And the, they all sort of came up with the idea of Dorothy or maybe you know, maybe it was Bill and Joe and then he stole the idea and they're the enemy. Right. Cause it's like, the, there's, that's the other tension, which I almost felt like I didn't need because it's like, you guys are like driving into tornadoes. I don't really care who gets their like tornado measurement tool into the sky first. Like I'm, I'm not worried about the space race of Twister, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, we don't really see much of him. And then, I mean, for a movie with not many deaths, he and that guy driving the truck, Eddie, they get a pretty gruesome finale. They do. And I it's like such a classic, um, you know, like the throwing of the intercom thing in, in the truck. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, oh, God, Bill. But, um, yeah. you know, they, and, you know, we tried, says Joe. Yeah. We, well, not very hard. But indeed, they, you know, uh uh, Jonas and Eddie, who's played by this actor, Zach Grenier, who I feel like I've seen in a thousand things, but... Oh, yes, exactly, right? yeah. I can tell you this, because I looked it up. He was in an episode of Jag. No way. So that might He's be where you Jag know him. material, yeah. Yeah, what a Jag. Um, what a jag. But I mean... That's actually like, a Pittsburgh slang word, a Jag. Is it? Is it like short for like Jagweed? Um, I think so, because... Well, it could be, I don't think this is it though, but, um, oh, a jag-off is what it is, sorry. Jag-off, yeah. Jag-off, don't be a jag-off. But I will also say that, have you ever heard of a jagger bush? Have you heard no. of that phrase? Okay, then it definitely is a Pittsburgh thing. But I don't even know what a jagger bush is. Like to me, it's just like a pricker bush is maybe what people would call it. But anything that was like, <laughs> that you could like, any sort of like sharp shrub or bush was a jagger bush when I was little. But, um, so yeah, there's that. I don't know yeah. why I went there, but Pittsburgh's weird. Anyway. You jag. Um, you jag. 
Well, I'm I'm looking up his uh, yins are a bunch of jags. Yes, there <laughs> like, it is. There it is. Um, apparently, he was in the movie Tommy Boy. Is Tommy Boy a part of your childhood? Oh my god, yes, I I remember him in Tommy Boy. He's like mm-hmm. one of the corporate guys that like, oh, Tommy yeah. Boy, Tommy Boy. I've seen Tommy Boy so. Oh my God. I mean, the amount of times I've quoted, that's going to leave a mark, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, fat guy in a little coat. I know that. Um, Oh, Richard. Like, I just, oh, I love Tommy Boy. Oh, Brian Denny, he's so great in that. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. He's great. Yeah. And then, um, and like the, like the love sort of interest in that movie too she's she's got like helen hunt qualities she's got oh, you know oh yeah because i mean there's like uh there's obviously there's bo derrick that the father marries with the boobs and all that yes. and she and she's you know great but i always forget that there's the the woman that he uh michelle michelle i love michelle, michelle. i know oh she has that great moment where she yells at the kids oh I, on the I, boat where she's like because they're like making fun of him and her yes. out in the middle. And she's like, I'm going to come up there and do things to you that your mother will weep when she sees you. And then she goes off for like a minute and it's awesome. And then they run oh. away. Oh, my God. I have to see Tommy Boy again immediately. I know, it's so good. I love and Rob Lowe Tommy is Boy. so hot in it, too. It's yes. Like Keith Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Oh, my God. I'm like looking at it now. Okay. This I. Okay. Well, that's it. I mean, I I don't know if it'll end up being an episode on this podcast, but I know I'm watching Tommy Boy this week. Yes. I mean, um, Dan Aykroyd's great in it, too. And wasn't um one of the I almost said the Real Housewives, Desperate Housewives. Isn't isn't she in it like the redhead one? Oh, oh Marsha Cross. I thought she was. Am I just like thinking of that? I don't that was the see... one that like um Rob Rob Lowe is Rob Lowe even in this movie or am I imagining it? What movie no. am I thinking of? I always thought Rob Lowe was in this movie too. Why am I Are like we in like a different dimension today? Like I don't know what's in the air. I know. But I thought Rob Lowe and Marsha Cross were like because Marsha married Brian Dennehy and he passed away and she got like all the money. And they're so, trying to take the business, but he's nowhere in this cast list. Yeah, it was Bo Derek who plays the role you're thinking of, Marsh Cross. Um, this is crazy to me. This is like, like I was right there with you. I'm like, yeah, Rob Lowe in. Okay, hold on, I'm googling it because IMDb's been lying to us several times. Um, he is uncredited, so he was in the movie, but he wanted okay, to be phew. a happy surprise. Uh, okay. So he's considered uncredited, but no, so it is Bo Derek. It okay. is Bo Derek. Yeah, who's uh, who's who's got Marsha Cross Crossish energy? Yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah, she's older than than Marsha Cross, but um, oh, wow. okay. Well, I'm gl- glad we solved that. I feel like we yeah we wouldn't be able to do this episode anymore if we couldn't if Rob Lowe was uh, <laughs> oh, was in Tommy so Boy. Hot. And so because th- there was Tommy Boy while we're on the topic, because then there was another movie that came Black out. Black Sheep. Black Sheep. That was the Which other one. Is great. It's got Christine Ebersol in it. Um, uh-huh. In ways I remember laughing harder at Black Sheep, and I I do love Tommy Boy too. But oh man, what a time to be alive! Oh my God, that was a time. Nineteen ninety five and nineteen ninety six. This was such a great era. Yes, I remember it. Oh my God, it. I can't even process what I'm looking at right now. I know. I mean, I to answer your question from earlier, the 90s fucking rule. Yeah. <laughs> the 90s, you know. And like and yet, you know, uh, 
a movie like Twister, I also like, and I can't fully like contextualize it or like give enough good examples, but like, I can also see how like, you know, for example, like there's no black people in Twister, you know, like I can also recognize it. It's also very much like, I can't believe there are women behind the scenes of this movie, including like co-writing the script because it, it's such a, it's such a movie made for men, you know? And I feel like Jamie Gertz as Melissa is such a like, Oh God, like, you know how this kind of chick is, you know, like, and I think that's kind of why Dr. Joe Harding is the way she is, is because like, there's this idea that she's kind of like, Oh, I can accept her because she's one of the guys, you know? Yes. And it's, I always think of that one speech. I don't know if it's like, it's Reese, Reese Witherspoon and she's talking about like starting her own production company like that's like run by women or, you know, really women focused. And she talks about how like anytime she's get, she used to get so many scripts where um, women would say, you know, something would like pivotal would happen, like a big action sequence and they turn and the woman, the woman would always say like, well, what do we do now to the man? And she's like, I've never known a woman to say that in real life. Mm -hmm. And everyone like cheers. But Helen Hunt says it. She doesn't say, what do we do now? Bill asks Joe in a very specific, specific moment, like, what do we do now? She's like, I don't know. But I feel like Joe does know. She should have said like, turn right. Right, you know? right. Yeah, she and and I think it's it's interesting that she is a woman in a '90s movie who is smart, who is you know assertive, who is powerful, but also is very masculine. Yeah, and she's never going to be the extreme. She she kind of is just one notch lower than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and she's got trauma. So. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they do end up together in the end. I mean, this this last scene is epic too. I will say, unbelievably unrealistic. <laughs> but like, oh, out like running the tornado. Straps. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'd be so tired. I would just be like, oh, I can't run anymore. This corn's too thick. Yeah, I mean the the you know the finale. Like, I love the part when they drive through the house. I mean, I, uh, that, I know that is great though. That was so thrilling. Of like, oh my god, you're driving down the staircase, you know. And uh, there's like a squeaking sound of like a stuffed animal or something. I mm-hmm. feel in my yeah, mind when the, at least. It's when the teddy bear hits the hits the oh, yeah. front of the yeah. car. Yeah, um, and yeah, then they they strap themselves to a uh, a pipe with some leather leather belts, and you know, and it's sort of a bookend to the beginning where she's like staring up through the middle of the, the of the twister, and it's like there's little Joe just not even scared, it, it you know, just fascinated by the twister, and it's like you, yeah. You need Dr. Melissa is what you need. Yeah. You need some therapy, girl. Yeah, that's the epilogue to this movie is that six months from now, Joe and Bill are Melissa's patients instead (laughs) of that awful couple that she keeps being on the phone with. Yes. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, You know, before we wrap things up, I just have to mention in terms of casting, uh, so Sean Whalen, who plays one of the the ragtag group of, of storm chasers. I think he's in the car with Alan Ruck uh, and they look like brothers, but I feel like he has been in like so many things, in the nineties and so many commercials. But what I know him from is I feel like he played Josie Grossi's boss in never been kissed, which I believe you've never seen. I know. And I think I was scolded because of it too, but I'm, I'm looking up Sean Whalen now and I can't even find him here. He plays Alan Sanders. Oh, yeah, him. Him. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Him. I can't confirm the Josie Grossi, but um He's just such a nineties. Like as soon as I saw yeah, him, I was for like, sure. God, they got everybody in this, you know. <laughs> it was like every nineties man. Mm-hmm. Answer me this, because I missed it. Anthony Rapp is in this movie. Where, Did where? You catch him? where? Well, I I assume he was one of Carrie Elway's people. Uh, I think so too. I think because Rent came out in like ninety five or ninety six, and you know I could see him getting some you know like TV roles or movie roles after that. But I I did not see him at all. No, I kind of forgot to look for him, and then I looked in the cast. And I was like, oh, Anthony Rapp. Okay. Yeah, because I mentioned it last week, and I was like, oh, I don't yeah. know where he is. He got sucked yeah. up in the twister. Uh, there's also, uh, there's, I, I feel like he's more of a character actor, but Joey Slotnick, who's also one of Joe's little ragtag group, take a drink every time I say ragtag this episode. Uh, I feel like he's been in a bunch of things, but for some reason, what I remember him for the most from is he has a small role in a league of their own and he's one of Doris Murphy's fans. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the crowd. Yep. Wants her to sign the, you know, whatever. Uh, Yep. 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 Yeah. And so I know him from that. And then finally, and I think this is also one of the, you know, the other storm, storm group, storm chaser group folks, but there's some character named Stanley played by Ben Weber, who I recognize from the movie, the lonely hearts club. Which, which oh, have you yeah. seen that? I have. It's been ages since I've seen mm. it. But he's what's his face from Sex in the City, right? Yes, and he's Skipper from or Scooter or whatever from. Yeah, I was gonna one say of, Booger. What's his name? Booger. He's just the worst. Just the absolute worst in season one of Sex in the City. So yes, um, I would. The one person that I was gonna say was Patrick Fischler. Who, um, what is his name in this movie? It says like the commune and then it's caught up, caught up, cut off. Excuse me. Do you see that there? Patrick Fischler? Patrick Fischler. All right. Let's see. But I know him because he was in an episode of Veep. And I I think it's like they go to like a baseball game and she's like, I don't know. They're at a stadium and he reads lips for some reason. I think he's somehow related to Julia, like Selena Meyer in the, in the show. (laughs) And she's like, she's like, hey. She's like, read my lips. Don't read my lips. <laughs> it's just like the <laughs> stupidest line, but he's really good in it. Um, but I feel like I've seen him around in other stuff too. Yeah, I I, re- I remember him from the movie as the communicator, but I the don't, you know, I can double check if he was in an episode of Jag, if that would make you feel That's better. Good. No, I just, I feel like I've seen him around and he's handsome too. And like a... Yeah, he's got, sort of way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's almost like vague, like monkey qualities. Like there's yep, something yep, there. I would yeah. say so. Um, well, I, you know, now I have to check. He was in an episode of NCIS, <gasps> which is basically oh, okay. Jag. Yeah, uh, but that means if someone, here's the thing, if someone was in NCIS, there is a likelihood they were in Jag, and so, yes. I'm looking. I'm looking. I don't think he was, but. Uh, I feel like a bunch of these people show up in speed. I know Alan Ruck's in speed. This guy ends up in speed. So I have a feeling over the summer, action movie summer, we're going to do speed. And uh, oh, we'll yeah. see a lot of these people again. That would be fun. Yeah. But that's, that is, do you have any other thoughts uh, on, on No, Twister? this is fun. I'm glad we did it. I was like a little worried. I was like, this is going to be stupid. I mean, it is a stupid movie, but it's also, you know, here we are, an hour and ten minutes later. Um, yeah, love it. And, and we really brought justice to Jamie Gertz, and I think that was what we, you know, last week 
I think our our main goal with Nashville was to make peace with Michael Murphy after away from her. Yes. And I think this week our main goal, and I think we accomplished it, is to bring justice to Jamie Gertz. Justice for Jamie. Justice for Jamie, the heart of the movie. Yes, the heart of season 10. (laughs) (laughs) Her and Monique Hart. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, with that being said, you know, I, I, I will say, as we're getting played off right now, that the moment the score kicked in, I thought, <gasps> oh, Nick loves the score. Oh, I loved it. It was yeah. like Aaron Copeland is like, it was just so like, hoedowns. Oh, I loved it. I can't yeah. believe we forgot to talk about it. But yes, I absolutely love the score. I could just tell. I was like, oh. This is a Nick score. He loves yeah. this. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. the first time it plays, like early in the movie, and there's like this just like sting, and it just like kicks off with this big aerial shot. I was like, oh, yes, he it's loves perfect. this. Yeah, yeah. I was um, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, luckily, the composer Mark Mancina is an uncredited part of the music department for Speed, so we may hear some of his, uh, you know. Some of his Melodies. stylings in the future. I, I don't know if he was ever a composer for Jag, but uh, yeah. we'll find that out in the One future. Could One could hope. Uh, but he's playing us off right now, so that should feel good. Where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcasts, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, which um, I'm going to say it now. I'm starting a Patreon this week. <gasps> it's happening. It's all happening. I'm sticking to it. I'm committing to it bonus episodes early releases it's all happening folks and of course it's called the good patreon because what else could i call it Uh, so if you're a good vanilla listener get on over there and sign up for the good patreon very exciting stuff and um you know i'm i have my voiceover website nkvoiceover.com which stands for nick kachanov of course and you can follow me on instagram at um nick kachanov i almost forgot my name yeah Nick kachanov i am yeah yeah how about you Well, uh, you can find more of me on All Right, Mary. We're putting out some kind of in-betweener episodes before All-Stars 8 begins. Uh, I love that time capsule episode. Yeah. so fun. God, and what a time capsule. Like, when I, and maybe we'll talk about this in the after show, but I edited out like 20 minutes of that episode that I was like, this didn't age. Oh, no. And nothing like offensive, just more like, ugh, we are not those people anymore. Yep. And like, ew. Yeah. There were just things I was like, ugh, that was so pre-pandemic me, you know? Yeah. Um, I was so much less depressed, you know? Sure. Um, I had a, I had a joie de vivre. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, so that's going on uh, on All Right Mary. And, uh, and of course, you can find more of me on Instagram at Collin underscore. And you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSAPod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, keep your peepers peeled because we have an F5 after show coming just Ooh. around the corner. Uh, and I I know that I'm very excited to talk about the first episode of season two of Somebody Somewhere. Oh, I can't wait to discuss. Yeah. So that plus our assignments, plus our BSAs of the week, plus anything else we've been seeing or doing or watching or eating uh, will all be discussed. And you'll have access to it at patreon.com slash Pod there folks yeah well we have got to get into our you know our grand dodge caravans and (laughs) beat this storm uh so you know um 
Strap yourself to a water pipe, folks, because it's going to be a twister. <laughs> As Aunt Meg would say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <laughs>